Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are embarking on a new journey. This is the first episode of our first officers series. So everyone knows who we're talking about for the entire episode. <laughs> that is, of course, Mr. Spock, the amazing Commander Spock. He's a commander. Yeah, he's There's a commander. No Mr. It's so funny. Like <laughs> they always, yeah, especially Kirk. He's like Mr. Spock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And not only are we having our Spock talk today, but we are also having a talk about first officers in general, about the role that they take on, and how Spock fits into the role, and how he sort of was the one who began this role. Now, I am saying this lightly because, of course, we have Una, number one. We will be covering Una, the character of number one in Strange New Worlds, because we want to compare and contrast Rebecca Romaine and Majel Barrett. So we're really excited to do that, but today we're going to be focusing on First Officer Spock and his role in this position. Woohoo! Rihanna, describe to me what kind of things you're thinking about, because this is your series. I feel like we whipped right through Death Fakeouts. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so we're already done. Um, so this was, of course, Rihanna's choice for the next series. And I'm wondering, like, what led you to choose it? And also, what kind of things are you expecting? And, like, what are the parameters for us to talk about for this episode? Yeah, thank you. Um, so coming up with this series was kind of like a struggle because I was going through so many and I had three narrowed down and none of this was first officers. I was thinking about other series that we probably should have done already, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> stuff I, that maybe glaring things come to yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like three. Uh -huh. um, but... I don't know. I was so inspired, Ashlyn, by your death fake out choice and how like, not, I won't say out of pocket, but just like it was really inspiring to have something so refreshing and different that we could talk about, but it's also still such a staple of Star Trek. And so then I was trying to go from that angle, like what is a staple of Star Trek? And then, you know, my brain flashed Spock, it flashed Riker, it flashed Chakotay. Wow. Like <laughs> I started thinking about these essential... Mm -hmm characters that like aren't always in this quote-unquote spotlight like the captains are in podcasts and stuff so I don't know I'm just really excited to talk about not only the characters themselves but I also want to emphasize that we we have to talk about the role and the position of it you know like as much as I love Spock we still have to talk about his failings in this role you know I'm thinking it'd be interesting to compare and contrast you know as the series goes on seeing how different each first officer uh, creates the position and reacts to the position all of this kind of stuff that like engages them with the rank rank is such a huge staple of star trek like you literally the chain of command <laughs> is so important and when it crumbles it's, it makes for fascinating television but very difficult for the characters i don't know i'm just really interested in this idea of like what people can make of the same positions you know and how they can make it their own and 
really dependent on the character. So also just thinking through all the characters, because I've been thinking about doing series like this, like doctors or, you know, security officers or something. But I was like, I want to really enjoy every single character. And the first officers are always just phenomenal. And sorry, I'm like not trying to drag other <laughs> characters, but yeah. I, across the board, I'm just very excited to talk about this, these characters and this position. Rihanna, amazing. I love your thought process and I'm glad I inspired you a little bit. Yeah. Um, I just think it's great that we have this flexibility to like go from all these different subject matters. And so I'm really, really excited to talk about first officers. They, in some cases, I mean, like in TOS, the character of the first officer is more popular than the captain. Um, yeah. So I'm, yeah, very excited to talk about that. And it, it almost makes me wish that we did this podcast, like just the series in a different order so we could start with Enterprise. Be, yeah. But the thing is, it's like two different ways of looking like how we want to look at Star Trek because if we're looking and like taking into account like the fact that Enterprise was the fifth Star Trek show, the position mm-hmm. of first officer is like extremely like set in its foundation, you know, like it's yes. very carved out. And so we have to acknowledge that TOS as the first show made has its own spin on the first officers. And so we're going to see uh, that position just, yeah, flourish and become more defined as we go on. So can't wait to talk about that. And Spock is probably one of the most historic first officers. Um, yeah. And so what, uh, you know, there's no better person to talk about the position with because he just, he nails it. He's, I mean, in his words, he says so often, I think like he loves first officer, you know? Yes. He doesn't say he loves it so often, but he he does, you know. In his own way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for adding that. Yeah, I'm excited because this is something really new, talking about rank itself. I think that, you know, it can be so flexible depending on our character. So that leads us to our question, our new question, which Ashlyn helped me come up with. So thank you. Sure. Um, so I'm wondering, and I might have to reword this. We'll see. <laughs> if you could choose another character from... Star Trek, the original series, to fill the role of the first officer position, who do you think would be best fit for it? This is a tough, interesting question. I know I helped come up with it, but I'm still yeah. like, hmm, considering it Impressed. Is, <laughs> is hard. Um, so my answer is actually going to be Ahura. Um, she gets the con, I think like two times that we see on screen maybe just yeah. one I, there, I know for sure in the Laura Life Signal in the animated series uh, I feel like maybe there's another yeah. TOS episode where she does but um, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that we did lose Nichelle Nichols uh, I think about a week ago and mm-hmm. it's been a very sad time in the Trek fandom a lot of, fr- a lot of uh, fans and actors and people not even affiliated with Star Trek have been uh, sending and sharing very like loving memories of Nichelle Nichols and it's been very encouraging to see how many lives she really touched um, mm-hmm. we were lucky this week to be on Strange New Pod and we were talking about Nichelle Nichols and had uh, almost memorial service yeah. for her please go check out that episode if you're feeling like sorrowful, sorrowful because like it really helped me it really did help to talk through it and also just to see how deeply she impacted people and I felt like she deeply impacted me and so it felt really comforting to be sharing that moment with so many wonderful Trekkies um so thank you again to Strange New Pod we always love them and we're very thrilled to be on the show but we were talking about with Giraffe on that episode that um 
there are fans who have made Captain Uhura like fan fiction, art. It was a whole movement after TOS was syndicated and broadcasted uh, to like make Uhura captain. So I couldn't help but think about that when thinking about this question. And I just think it's very disappointing we don't get to see her character or really any of the side characters get to advance to a rank. I mean, I don't even know if she would want to be captain, but I think she'd be fantastic at it because she's great at um, like multitasking and Mm -hmm. knowing people really well, like knowing their strengths and weaknesses. And she's not afraid to make a tough call in the Mm -hmm. moment and or bend the rules. I think she'd be very similar to Kirk in that way yeah Yeah. i'm thinking about her knocking out that guy in the closet you know yes (laughs) (laughs) and she knows culture so well too and is able to communicate obviously so beautifully and connect with people that like she'd be so good at exploring amazing diplomat oh my god yeah yeah ashlyn fantastic answer thank you thank you what about for you rihanna who would you choose well, I mean, I think Uhura is the answer, you know? Like, I, I think that that is really beautiful. But honestly, I am still going to go Scotty because mm. I feel like, though Scotty is. <laughs> I was like, well, this is okay. I'm excited to hear this explanation. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, here's my reasoning Sulu needs to fly the ship, <laughs> he does not have time to be first officer. He could do both, I guess, but he'd always be, like, from the helm, like, I suggest this. Um, Chekhov, still baby. He still needs time to grow. So Scotty (laughs) is kind of uh, all I have left. But with this crew, unfortunately, like you said, we don't see their aspirations. We don't see if they want to rank up. But also we see that, like, how they are in those positions. And I think that Scotty handles situations, like, fairly well considering like honestly he is like the best man under pressure because literally he's always under pressure yes like he's gonna be probably down in the engines but he could like you know come up to the bridge and work engineering up there like we've seen balana do it like it's possible and so i don't know i think that like he is a great leader and we often just think of him as like oh yeah he's third in command he's he's kind of just like there when Spock's not available. (laughs) Yeah, when Spock's donating Um, blood to his dad. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, people don't give him enough credit because, like, they think, oh my gosh, like, we don't know how he would be in a diplomatic situation or whatever, but I think also he is literally not given the time because he's always just down with the engines and always down with Enterprise. So, honestly, I would be happy putting him in first officer position but i don't know if he would be he'd be like get me back down <laughs> to the <wall." laughs> yeah i so. okay you actually convinced me uh, i could i could see this um i think the problem is that he's like a genius in engineering you know so it's yeah. almost like putting him as first officer like takes away like his biggest yeah, yeah, strength exactly um mm-hmm. but i i do think that is a good answer um yeah. he would be great at like telling people what to do you know he's like okay um you go down like he 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 has a good sense of priorities and uh Mm -hmm. he's very always just pleasant to be around you know oh my gosh yeah like very kind and yeah Mm -hmm. i love scotty okay well interesting we both chose red shirts to be our first officers yeah um i also Um. i real quick I, i before we hop in i want to 
kind of like help define the series a little bit more because mm-hmm. we are not going to be doing a take the helm first officer yeah like moment like this this is not to talk about those times when scotty takes the bridge because that's actually going to be a different series um, yeah and i'm excited to see like how are we gonna <laughs> not do the exact same series <laughs> twice you know yeah. but True. um mm-hmm. yeah so i just want everyone before they start writing us yeah. angry emails like hey you missed a first officer no we yeah. didn't <laughs> yeah we're talking about primary first officers and we're going to be talking about changes of command situations yeah in this like there's still going to be times and so you'll see yeah you'll see during our watch list which ashlyn would you like to read that i sure will i would love cool. to read it um all right so get ready to to die <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we are gonna really love spock yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay so for this spock talk we have watched the menagerie galileo 7 devil in the dark Operation Annihilate, Journey to Babel, Immunity Syndrome, Paradise Syndrome. Wait, is that is it Syndrome? I just wrote Paradise. Yeah, uh, it is Syndrome. Yeah. We watched wow. Syndrome. We're going to talk about a lot of Syndromes. <laughs> Back-to-back Syndromes, yeah. <laughs> God, um, and then, um, um, and then <laughs> Requiem for Methuselah. Hmm? You think cool. that's right? I never know. Methuselah, I think so, yeah. Methusla, I, I don't know. Giraffe will kill yeah. us. Yeah, he's really <laughs> yeah. good with Giraffe, mythical. Uh, and then we are going to be talking about the animated series with Infinite Vulcan and Slaver Weapon. And then we're even going on to the movies. So we <laughs> are talking about Wrath of Khan. Guess, guess what part? Um, yeah. Old Undiscovered Country and 2009. So I... Yeah, there's your switcheroo. I really hope you brought your seatbelts because... Like, you're going to be flying <laughs> around the Enterprise in this episode. For a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep circling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Ashlyn, shall we begin? Yes. Where the series begins us. Yeah, let's do it. We are going back to the cage. <clears throat> I mean, the menagerie. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, part one and two. It's a um, two-for-one special. Literally. You get an episode <laughs> within an episode. It's great. It's the ultimate dream. So, we are starting with a... Like a whammy, (laughs) (laughs) like geez, engines on maximum. Like here we go. So this is of course the appearance of Captain Christopher Pike. We are getting our end of our Strange New Worlds series (laughs) right here, right now. I feel like someday in the future, like when my kids are starting to watch Star Trek, I have to start thinking like, what order do I show it to them? (laughs) Like. Do we start with Enterprise, the problematic prequel mm. series, just like um, Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, you know, true. and then like, go to Strange the... New Worlds, and no, <laughs> it'd be Discovery, and then Strange New Worlds, and then TOS. You know, like but you can't show your kids Discovery too soon <laughs> either. Yeah, so yeah. maybe more a like a, a, an adult fan. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm just laughing so hard yeah. at this timeline and how creatively they have moved it. And this episode is just, of course, a like reminder that we've known Pike's fate for so long. And yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I just, I love this episode. I especially love Spock in this episode. A tier, yeah. no, S tier Spock episode. Completely. Yeah, this timeline is so vast and it's so interesting now that we have Strange New Worlds as more context and it creates like a lot more emotionality to this episode. 
and I think allows us to understand Spock's position more when, I mean, oh, like, yeah. I love the... I love the fact now, so that, like, the beginning of the episode, Spock is saying that he received a message from Fleet Captain Pike <laughs> like, oh, to divert God. to Space, or was it Station 11, something? Yeah. Base 11, Starbase 11, and Kirk is adamant that Spock received one. Like, this is something that we see very early on in the series, is that Kirk trusts Spock with everything he has already, you know? He's ready to, to vouch for Spock at any moment, and that shows just already the loyalty that Spock has built as first officer. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to briefly just talk about what makes a good first officer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because I think it's important, like, what it is in our mind compared to what everyone else is doing. So, totally. Rihanna, how would you describe a ideal first officer? Um, I'd say someone who, of course, has to have a connection with the captain. It doesn't have to be an emotional one. It can be like a you know, like professional connection, but still has to have some sort of semblance of what's going on in the captain's mind, because there's a lot that captains don't say to other people. And I think that also first officers have to, of course, be very well informed, have to be like, well trained, all the usual stuff, you know, like the, the merits of their rank, whatever, you know, has to show that they are ready for this position, because it can be really stressful. And it can be making those hard decisions, knowing that you could step into the captaincy position at any moment is like a, something that's really heavy to carry, you know? And so I think you have to also find someone who's like emotionally ready for that. And, and like, you know, that's, that's a position that someone has to prepare for, I think. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, there's also a semblance of camaraderie with the crew, like someone who can talk to others well and communicate effectively with with a lot of people so like a huge ton of requirements i just laid out i <laughs> Ashley, i love yeah. it yeah i would i think i would tack on that it really helps if the first officer or really anyone in command has a like specialty that they're focused on um and i think we see a lot of these first officers that in addition to being great officers they also have some special skill that has helped them to climb the ranks and stand out um and so this is absolutely true of spock who's the science specialist you know yeah and so i i love what you said and i also just think right away that um spock is not as involved with the crew as we mm -hmm. see some other first officers and so <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> So I think it's going to be really interesting to talk about. But he will he will play music with the crew, like yeah. uh, like to somebody else. He so. hangs out with them, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But mm, I'm just thinking about <laughs> Galileo 7. Um, so, okay, yeah. So yeah. so back to the menagerie. I, thank you, Rihanna. I think, yeah. yeah, it's really interesting to think about the qualities that you need to be able to be a first officer. Yeah, okay. So Absolutely. I love that. So what you were saying about Kirk, he's so um, adamant about Spock saying that he did deliver the message to the point that they think like something really fishy is going on. You know, I feel like we've seen the opposite of the situation happen so many times where someone doesn't believe people think like the crew person is crazy and then they don't actually like even look into any kind of other possibilities. Yeah. But this is like a, a case where Kirk is upending everything to figure out 
what is going on with this message. And there's a really great conversation between Kirk and McCoy where McCoy is also in such disbelief because Mm -hmm. like Spock is so loyal. He's, we're going to see this. He's extremely loyal to Starfleet and to Kirk. And so McCoy said, I could run off for any half-cocked reason. So could you, but not Spock, not ever. Like McCoy is saying not ever. Sorry, there's a lot of Chicago ambient noises today. So if you hear them, (laughs) welcome to Chicago. Yes, I feel like I'm there with you. (laughs) Spock is, yeah, this is so out of character for him, supposedly. And I think as a viewer, do you remember the first time watching this, Ashlyn? Uh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, same, like vividly. Yes, (laughs) yes. This episode, though I did not understand a lot of what was going on because I was in middle school, I was like, wow, like, Spock is acting weird. <laughs> like, something is going on. This is not no- quote-unquote normal Spock. And I knew for, like, that moment, I'm like, he definitely needs a reason and has a reason. Yeah, absolutely. I think we feel the same way that Kirk and McCoy do as a watcher because this episode is so brilliantly placed in the first half of the original series. So we've had, like, 10, 11 episodes like including the pilot, like more of knowing Spock and understanding his place very firmly on the Enterprise and his place in the crew. And so him going off half cocked, as McCoy says, (laughs) um, is crazy to see. And I love that even once Kirk discovers that it is Spock's plan and that this is happening and uh, he did not receive this message, he has so much patience with him and he always continues to believe in him. The entire time. And that's how I felt, too. Yeah. Yeah. And he continues to insist on hearing him out, you know, the entire time. And so I think that, like, that loyalty that he's built in his captain also shows really great, like, what a great first officer he is. And a great person, like, or great Vulcan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Because he has this very loyal quality. And that is just so Spock, you know? Like, with people that he trusts and he knows are like the best of the best and also just like respects deeply he will be loyal to the end yeah and this is how he is with pike absolutely i also think this is interesting because obviously we're getting more information about spock's background and so how long has he been serving with pike rihanna it's like 11 days 11 days wait i wrote it down (laughs) She she oh. literally quoted Full it disclosure. on the phone <laughs> while we were talking today. She was like, 11 hours, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 11 years, four months, and five days <laughs> is what he says. Um, <sighs> yeah, so, oh my God, that is a very long time. Uh, Spock has, I think Spock joined the crew in 2256, so he has quite a long time still to go i think maybe they're trying to get to seven seasons of strange new worlds because i was trying to do the math and i'm like that just about adds up for this timeline well yeah so, and rihanna you're writing your fic right now about this yeah. timeline and so your brain is extra on these moments oh yeah i've been researching this the whole time and so th- this first officer series could not come at a better time for me writing my fan fiction so yeah. <laughs> really it's all great here but yeah so also i just want to say this is a really random anecdote but you know those hallmark um ornaments yes the star trek ornaments yes of course we had oh god (laughs) (laughs) that was from the menagerie like they sold this they had pike in his chair spock and kirk behind him in their um dress uniforms 
and it played different like clips from this episode and so i wondered why i had like random spock yes. quotes from this episode Rihanna. memorized yes and i was like oh it's from that hallmark ornament that we had it was so really shout out to weird hallmark ornaments yeah amazing i i loved yeah. that ornament and was always in horror of it because you can hear like the beeping of poor yeah. pike trying to communicate yeah just tragic yeah not good not a good choice but um so let's talk about them going to the planet and kirk and pike meeting once again yes this is crazy my gosh okay so can you tell me what a fleet captain is first of all i haven't gotten to that part in my fic yet yeah Yeah. well i don't know i'm just wondering because we've seen fleet captains in examples where they're fighting a big battle like um i'm thinking about uh like in tng there's different captains who are in charge of like little fleets and so we've heard about this in battle so i'm just confused like what has pike been doing as a fleet captain like maybe he's in charge of a bunch of ships in certain section section i think sectors? he is yeah okay. i think so that's cool maybe it's more like a regional director type thing. <laughs> yeah it, oh my gosh exactly well and i think that this should have been a perfect move for kirk like instead of doing admiral how cool would it have been yes if he was a fleet, a fleet captain, captain wow i would maybe that, watch that would be amazing. the you know what out of that show yes oh my god totally that's amazing great choice Pike has been a fleet captain and that's where the accident occurred where he saved all those cadets and Spock and Kirk go to see Pike you know and and he's in the chair and it's awful and it's like recent too like this only happened like two months ago maybe not two I don't know but a couple months ago yeah not a long time yeah very fresh and that's why Spock's here of course he says to Pike, he says, you know why I've come, Captain. It's only six days at maximum warp, and I have it well planned. I've never disobeyed your orders before, Captain. This time I must. I know, I know it's treachery, and it is mutiny. I must do this. I have no choice. Oh, Like, that line is just so indicative of Spock's loyalty to Pike. Yeah, I actually wrote down that quote, too. I love it. Oh, It's interesting that Pike is saying no too because i think pike understands what could happen you know like mm-hmm. he i think has guessed like i'm going to Talos four totally like I, yeah. I can use my body again or imagine to use my body again and have a life and yet he says no over and over and over so it just shows like their their friendship that pike is like my happiness is not worth you dying so yeah also there's a death penalty if you go to Dallas yeah. four which is insane. the only one left on the books yeah <laughs> yeah there's like what, what? like that that's insane <laughs> did discovery see that too like or did they just leave that out <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember oh my gosh oh, <laughs> they're geez. like um yeah. we have to execute captain pike <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. He had that beam out. Spock too. The, he went there again. Yeah. <laughs> Discovery or before. So Spock is he used to getting um, <laughs> death penalty threats at this point. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> so he's like, I can do it a second time. I'm not worried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and he does. He have he has it all planned. He said, and he he has recordings of Kurt's voice. He's got on those the little tapes I that love I love. the tapes so much. And he is meticulous. Like, this is the thing about Spock. It's kind of like Data or any of these, like, really strong characters and smart characters. It's like, if they wanted to, they could take over the ship. And then, of course, Spock does. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was thinking this too. 
Mm-hmm. Just the level of planning that went into this is insane. Like, this isn't a thought that Spock had in the shower. He's like, oh, I should probably, like, get Pike. <laughs> um, like, he no. he has been working on this for a long time, clearly. And he's Which, like, okay, and I can do, do this diversion at, at this moment, you know? Oh, my God. I mean, he probably worked on it for, like, nine years or as long as he's known. Nine years? Yeah, because Pike probably told him around... Oh, I didn't even think that it was that, like, he would plan it that far. I don't know, but maybe he started thinking about it around year five. He's like, oh boy, okay. Oh my gosh, yeah, I never thought about that. I I thought maybe he would have, like, after the accident, then been thinking, oh, yeah, so maybe for, like, two months he's been planning it. I don't know. Honestly, Spock's so smart that, like, he could just plan something this elaborate in two months. But you're right, it could be years, too. Wow, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just Strange New World is always opening up my brain um, oh, yeah. now with Pike stuff. Absolutely. So. Okay, so I think we should talk about this trial. And also, um, when Kirk is following the Enterprise in the shuttle with the Commodore, yeah. this is really interesting because Spock does not want to put anyone else in danger or he doesn't want to affect anyone else. And so the fact that Kirk trusts him to do the right thing, they're following them in the shuttle and at one point they look at the fuel level and the Commodore's like, pretty soon we have to turn back because we won't, we're going to run out. So we have to have enough for this trip home. And Kirk's mm-hmm. like, nope, we're not going back. What you mean by, so we have to turn back because we were going to run out. So we have to have enough for this trip home. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Siri does not understand. <laughs> Siri's like, what podcast what? is this? <laughs> oh my God, it scared me. Okay. Um... Anyway, my, my watch. A um, random man's voice. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, yeah. Um, Spock is, I think, really annoyed at this, at Kirk's persistence, because he doesn't want to bring Kirk into this at all. And so I just like the dynamics in the situation, because Kirk, as usual, is the flaw in everybody's plan, you know? Oh, so true. Yeah, he's the chaos element. Um, and he's literally just so casual. He's like, well, two hours of air left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he knows. He, Spock is really showing his hand because, like, Kirk knows that he's going to pick him up. And then this whole trial will begin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're so right. And I think he is just, it shows how well he's able to deal with Spock when he's yeah. in these type of situations because he knows his weaknesses, like every captain. Totally. And so he's like, so your true. weakness is me. <laughs> Yeah, so two hours of air, what are you going to do? We're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Spock, when he knows he's been had, sort of, uh, he's like, okay, well, turn me in. And I just love the scene because everyone on the bridge is just floored. They are like, yes. Mr. Spock, you know? And, like, also, I just love that Mutiny runs in the family. Oh, my Congratulations, God. Spock. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um... But it's not really mutiny because it's for another captain, you know? He has right. his reasons. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, so fantastic. Their reactions, McCoy's reaction is also phenomenal. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He's I like, love arrest it. you? Uh, can I, can you go to your quarters? He's like, like, I don't know. Like, is that good enough? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, dead ass McCoy, like, you're the highest ranking officer on the bridge. Because McCoy's always just hanging around. Um, <laughs> yeah, McCoy's always. like, he's so, like, annoyed, you know? Because yeah. I think, like, yeah, he's shocked. But he's also like, oh my Seems god, like, yeah. what, like, what's happening, you know? <laughs> 
fantastic. Oh my gosh. Um, and then the trial goes, and we watch basically um, the cage. So yeah, you can just <laughs> go see the cage. We we have like little interludes between uh, where it just shows Spock, and he looks like t- tense or like describes yeah. something. Um, yeah. <laughs> but in the end, it's definitely made clear that this is a good thing to do, and Pike does want it, even though he doesn't want uh, anyone else to get in trouble for it. So mm-hmm. finally, when everything's revealed, it, everyone's empathetic to Spock. And it turns out it was a test all along. Classic Telosian style. I yeah. mean, they were definitely close enough to the planet for that to be happening. Their telepathic abilities are really working their magic, creating a whole Commodore like that. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Also, I'm just really grateful that out of everyone tested, quote unquote, on the Enterprise, it was Spock because he can pass mm. any test of yes. loyalty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. self-sacrifice, yeah. Yeah, and he did it here. And I think that, yeah, like we were saying, it's so great that Kirk is defending him throughout this entire episode and that he understands the end, you know? And I love that it's like, Spock's cleared of all charges, blah, blah, blah. Like, a classic sort of, like, move they do in TNG with Data. They're just like, he took over the ship, but, like, don't worry, there's no repercussions. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) We're episodic. (laughs) We can't do that. (laughs) Um, so I, you know, that's always nice at least. Um, but yeah, this is probably Spock's most out of character, but in character first officer moment, I'd say. Yes. And I love that we started chaotically with this because it's like, yeah, he's being a terrible first officer. He's in a court martial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh. he could be under the death penalty, but yeah, but he does it and Pike goes down and all is well. Rihanna, I was, um, a little, a little anecdote of my own. Every once in a while, sometimes, like, I want to really laugh. So I'll go back through our podcast episodes and, like, listen to certain bits because we've had some really hilarious moments on the show. And I just want to, like, live in that again. Um, yes. But sometimes, every once in a while, when I'm doing this, I overhear us talk about these court martial episodes. And every single time, one of us is like, yeah, like, uh, like Data's trial. And then we bring up every court martial episode <laughs> that we can think of on the top of our heads and so i found myself when you were just talking about eh, the trial the court martial i was yeah. doing it again i was like oh yeah i was about to list all of them and i'm like you know what our listeners have had enough <laughs> of us freaking out about court martial episodes and i'm just planting a seed like obviously that'll be a series and we're gonna lose yeah. it we're gonna be like oh he's <laughs> court martial yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, wow. a great trial, a round round of, of a round round around. <laughs> a great <laughs> a great trial all around, because it's yeah. imaginary. It didn't matter. It's a fiction. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, well, I think we should go to another uh, another time where Spock had some struggles. Okay, yeah, another chaotic time. Um, this is Galileo Seven. <laughs> Here we are, whoa. everyone. Whoa, whoa, Spock. In command of the shuttle, first time in command. This is still somewhat early days. We're talking like middle to the end of season one. Um, the seven is veering off course. They're going into this amazing nebula anomaly thing um, to scientifically search it. But there's this ticking clock because they have to deliver drugs to 
medical supplies to a planet nearby that's dealing with this really horrible uh, <laughs> the plague thing that's going on. <laughs> yeah, the plague. He said yeah, the it's a really horrible plague. This always and happens. They this stopped always, for a science experiment. <laughs> always yeah. happens. I was having so many. I was like, this is why Janeway is who she is because they're trying to get home and Literally. they're still like, let's just make a quick pit stop to study the science. <laughs> like. Yeah. What a bunch of nerds. It's I love it. in their blood. They can't get it out of it. Well, yeah, Kirk so... is like defending himself and he's like, yeah, it's uh, a standing order of this vessel to investigate any um, Khazar nebulas. I think he specifically said. So he's just pulling yeah. it out to study <laughs> this anomaly. Yeah, but it's so true. Like, oh my God, this classic trope. Um, and there's seven of them on the shuttle. So this is like your typical... Let's crash a shuttle on a remote, dangerous planet and see what happens to the characters episode. Um, one of the first, I guess. This is where it stems from. McCoy is, like, telling Spock in the beginning, like, this is your big chance for command. Like, once the shuttle crashes, he's like, McCoy thinks that Spock wants command dictated by logic. Spock says he's never enjoyed the idea of command, nor frightened by it. Uh, just what logically needs to be done. <laughs> it's just... just <laughs> Just a description of command. I love it. He's like, it simply exists. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this is like a really terrible situation. Yeah, it is. Um, right away, they introduced the idea that there are three too many people on the Galileo in order to get the ship back up. And people, like, this is a really interesting team that they've brought on this away mission. Um, mm-hmm. next, gone awry. And uh, yeah. <laughs> they do not respect Spock in this Mm-mm. situation where he is being forced to take command. Um, they are questioning his every move. They are, like, making fun of him, sort of, or, like, being, like, frustrated with him because he's Vulcan. Um, yeah. And even McCoy is second guessing him and like talking back to him all the time. Sometimes I do think that they have valid points. And I think this is a really good growing episode for Spock as first officer, because we see that he assumes things about the indigenous species on this planet and he thinks they're going to act logically and they don't. And also when people are killed and he's very, I understand Spock is like, we got to get back to work, but I was thinking he could have maybe had a better way like to compromise with oh, yeah. all the, he was the services. Very cold. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's ice cold in the, in mm-hmm. some parts of these episodes, but for the most part, I'm such a Spock fan that I was like, shut up about your funeral. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's go. <laughs> I mean, it's so difficult because like, I just think that the way they're going about it is they're, accusing him of not feeling and that's the reason why he's acting this way and i'm like instead of doing that like you know you need to talk about his command decisions and like understand that this situation is not one to take things lightly and he's not like trying to mess around here you know and the thing is though is that he should not have sent those red shirts out on their own Not when they're just stray red shirts. That's the most dangerous type. Like, that's oh my gosh! The most, yeah. <laughs> yeah, these guys were like little bits of steak leaving Galileo. <laughs> like, yeah, literally, they were not gonna survive in this wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's like partially they definitely went further than to see the shuttle. So um, you know, it, it was a horrible thing that happened that these indigenous species killed them, and 
Boma is one of the characters who really, like, digs into Spock. He's also in the sciences or medical. Mm-hmm. I don't know, he's wearing a blue shirt. <laughs> um, and he's, like, really mad at Spock for not showing emotions. I still think that, like, I'm seeing such patterns in these episodes of characters attacking Spock out of, like, questions of his emotionality and his, like, Vulcan heritage more than questions of his actions or command decisions and that's just like the crux of it yeah it's racist yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um i totally agree with you thank you for bringing this up um i think it really shows the perspective of someone who isn't human really well and it shows you that spock really is carving the way and he's taking the brunt of so many racist and xenophobic comments and people treat him completely differently like i guarantee the spotlight for sure oh yeah yeah, i guarantee that if spock wasn't there and scotty was in command there wouldn't they would not be having these problems at all with these no not at all yeah yeah it's really sad to see and yeah like they could have worded it better like some of their criticism was valid we talked about spock being really cold Mm -hmm. but there is such a nice way to say to say that you know i don't know yeah yeah, and not blaming it on, like, oh, you're a machine who can't feel. Like, geez, like, that's not the time and or ever the place to say something like that. And so Spock keeps plowing on. Like, unfortunately, he's, like, used to this, you know? And so he says, fortunately, I am giving orders. And, like, you know, he has to sort of level up his ass. And I'm, like, understandable. You know, this is a frustrating, intense situation for everyone. Yes, I totally agree. I actually really like the the scenes where he puts his foot down. So there's a part in the middle of the episode where, who is it, McCoy and the two, like, loudest ensigns um, yeah. are going to look around for the species. And the ensigns wants to murder it, wants yeah. to murder them because of what the creature did to their friends but spock is he has that great quote i'm frequently appalled of the low regard you earthmen's have for life amazing yes. quote um so good and he's he says we're shooting to stun or we're shooting to cause pain you know yeah. um no we <laughs> <it> cause pain <laughs> <laughs> mirror spock she came tortured. in there <laughs> yeah um, to scare uh, to yeah. scare yeah, yeah, yeah. To <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh, yeah. oh that's so funny they are really arguing with him like they're out for blood um yeah. against the species and i really like when spock puts his foot down because it is almost anger you know like this is a really stressful situation he's just trying to do his best and Literally. he he has to put his foot down, you know? And I think that they do respect him more for that. Like, I think that was a good choice as a leader. Totally. And to remind them, like, who's in command, you know? Like, you may not like it, but this is what it looks like right now, you know? And this is the first time that we hear him talk to McCoy saying, I do not want command, you know? And so he's clear in his position. that I think he's also trying to show them, like, I am also navigating these new waters you know and yeah they just don't give him the grace they would give a human for sure and i think that like relations with the crew are fine when he's first officer but then it like this sort of ugliness comes to light you know from each side when the tense situation rises and people are dying so yeah it's just crazy and then but then what finally changes the tide is spock is pinned by a rock and he says go go like go get in the shuttle 
and save yourselves and all of this stuff and all of them come back for him and he's like furious about it he's like oh i told you you know but Mm -hmm. they said no we will come back for you yeah i thought that was really cool i mean of course they're starfleet and like no matter how like mean pissed off they're not gonna let spock die on the planet you know come on Um, yeah i do wonder if it would have been a harder decision if mccoy wasn't there though Mm -hmm. you know um yeah i think they still would have saved him but i don't know if they would have like hesitated yeah Yeah. i don't know um i was gonna say also i was thinking so i want to talk a little bit about like the whole weight problem they keep mentioning throughout Mm -hmm. this episode that he might have to make the choice to let somebody go and when boma says why don't we just draw lots and spock's like i think i can make a better decision than if it was random so i'm gonna decide for me, I, th- I knew if it came down to this, he would sacrifice himself because that, totally. that's what he would do. And I kind of wish that that had happened in the episode, yeah. you know, to see this other side of him that even though he can be really cold, he's also extremely loyal and is committed to the safety of his crewmates. Well, luckily, Ashlyn, you can watch that episode. It's called Voyager. (laughs) (laughs) It's when Tuvok's training the Maki, the fresh Starfleet Maki. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It literally is the same. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So it's really good. Um, Yeah, that's the beauty of Star Trek. You're going to see that episode eventually. (laughs) Well, also, low-key, it's immunity syndrome, which we're going to talk about soon. Hey, so true, so true. Yeah, Ashlyn, I love that point, though. You're absolutely right. I didn't hesitate for a second to think, like, oh, no, he's going to let those ensigns die. Like, no, if if it comes to it, it's going to be Spock. And the other two are already dead, so... Yeah, well, like, this is so... I watched this with my husband, and right away, I was like, okay, count how many people there are on the shuttle right yeah. now, because that's not the same. That's coming back that's with them. coming back, yeah. Especially when there was a weight problem mentioned. I was like, okay, so they just need to kill off two people. And yeah, perfect. Two or three. And then boom, yeah, boom. It'll be yeah, it'll um, yeah. I was thinking that it would be Spock, and probably McCoy would insist that he stay down with him, too. Um, yeah. Because the thing is, if... The shuttle, like, yeah, it's a big sacrifice, but also if the shuttle is rescued by Enterprise, then yeah. they will tell them where Spock is, you know, yeah, and they'll then they'll beam him there. up or get yeah. it. Yeah, so exactly. Um, I think McCoy would volunteer to stay as well. And Scotty would be, like, crying on the shuttle. <laughs> like, dumb incense. Singing a Scottish <laughs> lullaby. Anyway. Scotty was just a gem in this episode. He, he was, was just so working so hard. And, and, and can I say the only one supporting Spock? The like, only one. Well, yeah, okay, so there's this. There's another scene um, where Boma is, like, at his peak of being fed up with everything. And that's mm-hmm. when he has the line, Randy, you already said it. Like, I'm tired of dealing with a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, McCoy and Scotty are like, hey, stop it, especially Scotty. And so it really made me happy to see it's kind of like a sibling situation. And we've talked about this with McCoy before, where McCoy is allowed to tease Spock as much as he wants. Um, yes. But no one else is allowed to. So I think this is that yes. scenario. McCoy's like, hey, you shut up about Spock, you know? <laughs> Literally what I was about to say, Ashlyn. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, no, only I can do that. Or Scotty. Yeah. Scotty is so so cute. He's like, that's out of line, lad. I'm yeah. like, yes, get him. Yeah. Um, like, they're senior officers. Yeah. Like, that That's stuff's not okay. Yeah. And Spock is like, okay, we'll, we'll get you your funeral. And, like, he brought bodies back. Like, he's really showing his loyalty. He's Spock is more one of those people that won't, like, tell you 
that he's loyal, he'll show you, you know, he's very much like, of course, he's not going to talk about his emotions or like grieve with you guys. Like he's not, that's not how he is. And I just wish like more people saw through that like cold demeanor into his actions. He's an acts of service person. Yeah, totally. That's how he shows his love. Oh, I love that. <laughs> acts of Literally self-sacrifice. Acts of yeah. Already, these first two episodes we're talking about. Yeah. Sheesh. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I think this is a great first uh, little dip into command for him. Yeah, I'm ex- Yeah, because he makes the last-ditch effort. Yes, okay. I, yeah, I forgot about this. I love this mm-hmm. move. And we can see Spock yes. getting increasingly more stressed out i also wanted to mention that i was extremely impressed with how calm he stayed during the initial crash because Mm -hmm. he was not panicking at all at least on the outside and he you know mccoy's checking on everyone how do we feel um spock is on it you know he's trying to figure out what's going on and he's also giving tasks to everyone and i thought that was super smart because in those situations it's i would be panicking you know but if i see that spock is in control it's fine yeah. and actually when i was working at dick's boarding goods there was a time that it was it was a crazy god 2020 was so crazy there was a time that the mall we worked in was closed because there was like a mob of angry people like going through and destroying <sighs> the stores this is in la lol and so we Ooh. had to evacuate and go home early obviously we were still paid for our shift but mm-hmm the woman she was the assistant store manager was like in charge of all of us employees and she had a script that she stuck to about here is what we have to do and we have to do it in this order in order to get everybody out safely and it was afterward i talked to her because we were all in the parking lot like what is going on because she was like you need to go you need to get in your car and drive away like i'm gonna watch you but i was talking to her a little bit and she said the most important thing is to get people like to do an action in an emergency situation Mm. like tell them what to do don't let them sit and think about it you know yes and so i was i was thinking about that with spock that he's doing a great job of making sure people are focused and man yeah we we, in discovery it reminds me of the tilly episode as well but anyway so true yeah, Ashlyn, I love that story. Well, I don't love it, but like, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. Shout out to the number ones in real life, you know, managing those situations like that. That's crazy. Yeah, but like because yeah. she was so calm, none of us were worried, you know. It just totally. seemed like, oh, like there is there is a plan in the situation, so yes. I don't have to worry about make, coming up with something. That's another thing that makes Spock a really good first officer is like – having that cool demeanor because sometimes yes it may come off as cold if someone's dead but like if you're in a crisis especially aboard the ship and especially if kirk's compromised by some you know he's old or there's a spore or some i don't know whatever's happening they look to spock and they see his tranquility at least (laughs) externally yeah you you can tell and i love nimoy in this episode as i say every episode Mm -hmm. Um, because you can tell that he is getting more and more flustered and like there's a clear difference the way he portrays Spock when he's actually collected versus when he's trying to hide it and I just love the nuances oh it's incredible oh same yeah and it was the illogical action is what saves him and what I think prompts him to be a better first officer I think that this sort of departure from logic that he had to do in this moment to save the shuttle to save Galileo 7 and the five remaining people that he's like showing his urgency you know and he ignites the fuel so to show like as a flare 
yep. gives them only four minutes instead of like 30. I love that McCoy is the first person to understand why Spock did it because it does seem like it is I mean yeah it's done in desperation but Spock doesn't consult anybody about it he just does it and Mm -hmm. that is different than what we've seen like even throughout this whole episode whenever there's a dilemma Spock will go around and ask everybody's opinion which I think is really smart um, because then it kind of shows the transparency of like what is everyone thinking and this is we we trust good leaders doing this you know it's like Mm -hmm. what do we do I don't know why I'm I'm Jane Wave yeah always um, always so I love that this moment he does not care about the opinions he's like nope boop we're wasting the fool (laughs) yeah and because McCoy sees through it right away and so does Scotty I think it kind of leads the way for everybody else to be like oh maybe we're fine you know maybe this wasn't just Spock losing his mind for a second totally oh my god and and they are fine Kirk has saved them (laughs) he's having this internal tussle aboard (laughs) the Enterprise but he's finally saved them they're gonna go to that the guy is so annoying. Help the plague. I know that this like guy on the Enterprise is supposed to be like helping this plague planet, but he's so annoying. He's and so annoying. I want to punch him in the face. Danny kept saying like, "Can't they just kill that guy?" And I was like, <laughs> "They can't kill him." He they was like, "Yeah, they can. Him. Just beam him off." I was like, "Oh my beam god." Him off. <laughs> oh, Danny, he's so dark. I yeah, love that. I but it like it adds <laughs> the tension to the show because it makes uh, all of this have to happen in such a time crunch which is always stressful totally always oh i also just want to throw in that i was dying when kirk knows he's like okay it's time to move on we have to go to the planet they go (laughs) at okay he like sets the course and then he's like um wait where was it i was yeah yeah you yeah yeah, you're gonna say it space space normal normal. (laughs) randy you're like whispering you're like space space normal Oh my god yeah i was crying because normally they say impulse power but i was like what's space normal does that mean nothing is on and they're floating like vaguely i think it literally means like yeah without any type of propulsion system it's so funny it's just so, like, like little fans as a satellite yeah. <laughs> but there's yeah. no air like i don't know <laughs> i don't know hilarious i love that it. was yeah the most phenomenal part of the episode he's like we are gonna inch our way there yeah. <laughs> like, like that is so protest. sassy like so passive aggressive i love it yeah he's like totally. screw those people and with the say, plague and it saves <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> screw the plague planet my spock and mccoy are dying yeah, exactly. my officers are dying like oh my gosh and then the last thing i also thought was amazing was when they see the flare go by and kirk's like quick beam him up he's like lock on transporters and the shuttle explodes and her is like captain we've got them there's five of them and it's like there's still tension and it's like alive and well and i'm like they went down with seven <laughs> yeah i know you guys are cheering and laughing like they're laughing at the end of this episode well, I'm like two, two people are dead yeah, <laughs> like, well, and also two people are dead could have been spock and mccoy you know and yeah, so kirk's like ah great like he he's forgot like, oh, about the two well. that died i just <laughs> yeah. i thought that was amazing <laughs> oh my god so true there's no time to mourn just forget it nope just keep going yeah and scotty is like crying at the end of this episode like when everybody's laughing i don't know if you saw in the background but he's like wiping his eyes from laughing so much and i'm like that joke was not that funny not that funny (laughs) you know they all were trying to ham that up yeah or hers like pointing at spock oh my guys calm down (laughs) 
Okay. okay. Well, I, we, I think, are crawling at space normal speed, Rihanna. Yeah, <laughs> we are. <laughs> Guys, we're, we're only on season two. <laughs> it's okay. This is why you're here, right, everybody? It's yeah. for the deep dives, as mm-hmm. we say every couple <laughs> minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now it's devil in the dark time. It is. Devil oh. in the dark time. <laughs> <laughs> what did your husband call it? Oh, yeah, he said it's the silicone hamburger episode, which I was like, that is a surprisingly accurate description. <laughs> yeah, like any TOS fan would know exactly what what he meant. Yes, love it. Um, this, yeah. I always think about how every cast member, when asked what their favorite Star Trek episode is, everybody says Devil in the Dark. And so yeah. I always come to this episode knowing that they really enjoyed the script and they had a great time making this episode. It's a great episode. It's wonderful. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to start off right at the bat, right off of the bat. No, right right, right, right the off on I the bat. Get at that. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, this episode really, we're starting to get into, like, Spock's greatest moments in these episodes as first officer. And I think it starts off with him asking the right question and making conclusions from this, the things he's investigating. Like, I love that. Kirk's, like, sitting, drinking his coffee, and Spock's, like, around just, like, investigating things. I'm like, no wonder Sherlock was your ancestor, you know? Like, he's such a good investigator, and he's (laughs) a scientist, you know? That's the point. And this is why he also makes a great first officer, and we're going to see this here, is is his scientific mind, you know, really helps to come to these conclusions that otherwise I don't think the Enterprise would reach. Yes, well, he's always asking why. And I think that is an essential, I guess I don't know if it's essential for first officers, you know, to have this like kind of like persistence of facts, Mm -hmm. but it really helps the Enterprise. And it's like one of the reasons that it's such a famous ship is like because of Spock, you know, and because of his pull with Kirk. I love the, the scene where Kirk tells him to stay on board with Scotty and help him so like the underground area doesn't explode. And Spock literally talks his like talk circles around Kirk and says, I'm yeah. actually staying here. Um, but he just yeah, keeps... and Kirk's like, yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Spock is like, yo, the odds of us both dying is like 2000 to one. And yeah. Kirk's like, okay, buddy, let's go. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Spock sees through right away. Like, no, engineer Scott does not need help with the engines. I need to be down here with you you just don't want me to die. Like, it's okay. You know, I won't. It brings up another interesting thing to talk about, which is how a first officer can communicate their disagreement with a captain. Mm -hmm. And I think Spock is expert at this, partially because he can be blunt. And Kirk gives him that space to be, because he's like, I just need to tell you what's going on. But also... He does have, I mean, so much chemistry and like such a good relationship with Kirk that they're kind of reading each other's minds anyway, you know? Um, yes. So I, I never feel like Spock is out of line when he's telling Kirk something else. And Kirk is very, like, he really trusts him. So he's like, okay, yeah. if you're like critiquing this part, I think you're probably right, you know? Exactly. I think it shows the difference of... The original series starting with Spock already being the first officer and already having this connection with Kirk because we don't see this like meeting or we don't see the beginning of this like we will with other series. And so I think it's really cool that we already have something built and something that they can just build upon and solidify more is the 
this first officer captain dynamic is so magnificent with them. And of course the others are going to be, you know, magnificent in their own ways. But I think that one thing I found really interesting too, is first officers also have to sort of be, I wouldn't say completely opposite, but definitely different temperament to their captain. Yes. Yeah. You know, like otherwise you can't have two Kirks, you know, you can't have two Spocks either. Like, they both need to be, you know, sort of parallel to each other. And I think that this is really special. One of the most special connections about these first officer and and the captain dynamic we're going to see in these shows because their differences are what make them stronger together, you know, And, and what highlight how great they are in episodes like Devil in the Dark because Spock is able to, like you said, convince Kirk to look more into this and ask questions. And I think Spock is able to sort of be the person to question where Kirk just runs in headfirst, not asking questions. Yes, absolutely. I Man, I love what you said. I totally agree. I think that the ideal captain-first officer pairing covers the flaws of each other. You know, yes. like whatever Kirk's weaknesses are, Spock's strengths, and vice versa. And yeah, it, it's essential to, to have this happen. Great point, Rihanna. Totally. Thank you. The melt happens. We meet the Horda. Yep. And once again, we get Spock being stubborn, being like, no, I'm going to stay and meld with this creature, even though she's in crazy amounts of pain. But, like, this is another Spock sacrificing himself because he knows he's the best man for the job, Mm -hmm. as usual, um, with all of his Vulcan (laughs) add-ons, his power-ups. Yes, and Kirk knows this and so he acknowledges i know that it's really hard like the mind mill requires the lowering of your mental barriers so i acknowledge this and yet i'm still thinking it would help us if you could you know so yeah i'm glad he didn't like order spock to do it he's not trying to use spock's like vulcan powers to oh, or take totally. him for granted i guess yeah yeah absolutely i love that they have this contact they have they're able to talk to the horda and recognize her perspective and everything i think that it's a fantastic sort of twist to the story you know the monster is actually protecting her children and not a monster and the humans are the monsters you know in her perspective and so spock is able to connect those barriers as he often does you know and this is where spock is going above and beyond position like you said like kirk did not order him to do this he could have backed out but he chooses duty above literally everything which we're going to see so often duty and loyalty you know to the people that he cares about and who are in his crew so yeah absolutely i just want to throw in that like mccoy when he repairs the horta is like one of my favorite parts of any of anything in the original series where mccoy's like i'm beginning to think i can cure a rainy day (laughs) i just i love him so much it's a a favorite part for me um Wow, I yeah, that. it's really it's really lovely. I love how much time we get with Kirk and Spock just alone in this episode. Um, we really get to see their dynamic flourishing, especially in the scenes where Kirk is like kind of more bloodthirsty about the Horda, and he's like, "No, we're shooting on sight," and Spock yeah. is like. Mm. I don't know about that. Like, and he actually kind of steps over Kirk and he initially tells security plan to trap it, you know, like keep it alive. Yeah. And Kirk's like, no, I, we talked about this. Like we're killing like it. He killed 50 men and, and he's like, I don't care. Like it's like, it's a life, you know, it's, it's an egregious act. I mean, he says like the Horda could be the last one and it's like, would be and a crime is. against science to yeah. uh, kill it. <laughs> yeah. 
Mama Horda was the last mm-hmm. one until her babies were born. So like, it's true. <laughs> yep. It just yeah. Fabulous episode. So good. Thank you, Spock. Thank you, Kirk. Bless Thank you, boy. McCoy. Yes. <laughs> um, um. So shall we go to Operation Annihilate? Yes. Another creature one. <laughs> yeah. Another Spock risking his life one. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna see this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, beginning of this episode starts with Spock tracking the madness. There's mass madness going on <laughs> on these different worlds. And he's doing great research in depth. Well, this just makes me think, like, I love how Spock will, like, read up on every culture and every away mission. And you know he's reading in depth, like, the mission logs and helping to add knowledge to it. And so, Spock is kind of always our info dump guy, you know, because of that. Like, he always knows all the things going on. Yes, I love that. Also, I feel like Tracking the Madness is the most metal band name ever. And yeah, that's an tracking amazing name. The madness <laughs> yeah. Across the galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Oh my god. I love that about Spock and um, his ability to just pull facts like out of nowhere is yeah. spectacular and so useful in so many ways. This is a sad episode because we lose Sam Kirk and especially now yeah. that we see him on Strange New Worlds, it really hurts me <laughs> to see that little mustache man not with us yeah. anymore. But this episode is getting more painful all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I do like that Spock does have a check-in with Kirk, you know. Not only as a friend, but I think even as a captain, you know, like yep. he knows as his duty to command, are you fit to command? Also, of course, he's his friend. First officers sort of have to look out for that for their captains as well um, to make sure that they're, they're making sound decisions, you know. And so I think that Spock is checking in on both of those fronts. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an appropriate time to do that. <laughs> Yeah, like, bro, are you okay? Like, can you command? Like, your um, bro's Kirk not is okay. not, but he does anyway. Classic. As, as everyone yeah. does. Yeah. Every captain. Sheesh. Shove it down. Yeah. Conceal. Don't feel. Don't feel. <laughs> <laughs> Every captain ever. Well, and I think this episode is really um, brilliantly written because Kirk loses his true brother. And then with Spock having contracted the madness he feels like he's going to lose his other brother, you know, like his Thyla. Absolutely. And so, like, this is very interesting perspective, you know, seeing just how close Kirk and Spock are and how important Spock is to the whole ship. Yeah. So we see sort of a concerning amount of action that Spock gets into (laughs) even after he is being controlled by the pancake (laughs) parasite thing. (laughs) Like, it has reached his body and it's like growing inside his body i think to try yeah. to control him and so as vulcans you know he can put up his mental shields he can master his pain as he says and he returns to duty so i <laughs> this is just showing spock's very unhealthy attachment to duty and unhealthy attachment to like his loyalty to, as his position as first officer like he will not give it up for anything and we're going to see this next episode I know, we talk about. I know. This, again, like, this is so uncharacter for Spock. He's like, I yeah. don't care. Well, and also, I feel like it's a disturbing trend of McCoy to allow this to keep yeah. happening, where Spock will literally, like, I'm thinking about with that animated episode where Spock had a fever. Yes. <laughs> and then he was Time on the bridge working. Yeah. <laughs> He's working the whole time. <laughs> 
yeah, this is insane. This and is I think crazy. partially it's because the ship falls apart when Spock's not there. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's doing the duty of, like, three people. And this is true with, like, he's, he's like, mentoring Chekhov. He's got, like, his science duties, all of these different lab things. And he's got his first officer duties. Um, so... But the thing is, is, like, Spock's logic is inescapable in this episode and in others. Talk about, you know, like, talking circles. Spock does this again to McCoy (laughs) and Kirk. He says, I should return to the planet. I've got immunity now. If they attack me again, like, I'm already, like... (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but, like, you were writhing in pain earlier. Like, (laughs) I know, seriously, going down again for the sake of the crew is insane um i also think you know you said unhealthy attachment to duty Mm -hmm. i initially am like yes totally agree with you and then now that i'm thinking about it more i am wondering if this is just a side effect of being in starfleet and being like in a military-esque situation everyone in order often like like you you have to sign up to starfleet to know that your life is not necessarily as important as what's happening and like the future they're trying to make and like 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 contributions that yeah that starfleet's trying to aim for in some situations like in the worst times um totally. and spock is the embodiment of this um i mean you you know Actually, wrath of khan exactly right. is coming yeah. down the line um literally the good of the many is the motto like starfleet's unofficial motto you know and so I think that every character has this, and yes, it is unhealthy, but I also think that they have enough awareness that this could be a factor, and so yeah. they've been prepared for it for a while. So I just wanted to add that little, like, yes. just little asterisk, in my opinion. I think you're absolutely right, and I think that Starfleet attracts people like this. Mm-hmm. Starfleet attracts people who are self-sacrificing this self-sacrificing scene he comes back with the pancake they finally have a sample and they figure out how to destroy it with the uv rays or whatever the rays are and so the one thing about the sun (laughs) we forgot about yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so spock risks himself to test this and mccoy is so so beautifully says he's like mr spock's the best first officer in the fleet Mm. and that was just like a beautiful candidness (laughs) that we don't see from mccoy often ouch (laughs) Uh, well mccoy said all i'm thinking about so which rihanna reminds me at the end of each episode i think we should talk about um our like rank our favorite first officers so just already get started on that (laughs) oh yeah 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 definitely yeah (laughs) I've already got a list going. I mean, mine probably looks like McCoy's, so. So. Yeah. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. And so he's blinded by this. um, Literally blinded by the light. Yeah. And it turns out that, like, that wasn't even the property that killed the pancake was the blinding, like, light. And so it was for nothing. And so to see, like, McCoy's guilt here. But Spock, like you said, he signed up for Starfleet. He knows his duty. He is prepared for this. Mm -hmm. He went down to the planet. He knew something was going to happen. And, you know, if it weren't for the Deus Ex Bacchita. That's beautiful. (laughs) That comes in here. That is beautiful. (laughs) That is essential. I love that. Deus Ex Yeah, thank you. It's so true. Yeah, he just forgets about parts of his body on the regular, you know. I think the only way to explain it away without it being just like something to add in quickly as a way to get Spock's vision back is that maybe he was worried that his humanity 
would prevent him from having the inner eyelid that, you know, helped him bring back his vision or whatever. So maybe it's like with Pon Far, he was also questioning, like, would it, would it be serious? Yeah, whatever. So that's that could be it. But anyway, it's hilarious. Or not hilarious. Anyway, yeah. it's just nice that he gets it back and that McCoy doesn't have to deal with that guilt. <laughs> I think it's just that Spock hides so many secrets. Like, and he's like, just casually like, oh, yes, I have two siblings. <laughs> Honestly, and he might have done dad, it for dramatic effect. Like my, my dad is the ambassador. <laughs> I'm standing right next to him. <laughs> you just introduced me to. Yeah, he's like. Also, I have Which like is... five eyelids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like okay, and Spock. I can, I can implant katras. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. And I, yeah, so whatever the writers needs, he's just hiding it. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, and this turns out in this episode, a journey to Babel. Here we are. We were just saying, Kirk introduces Spock to his parents. <laughs> yeah. My favorite moment. I love <laughs> I love that moment so much. It never gets old. Like, no, I've seen this episode time. so much, and watching the beginning, I'm like, yes. I, I yes. Just, this bad boy can fit so many secret family members into it. Yes. Slapping Spock. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. So we, I think, mostly... F- should focus on the latter half of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Because Spock cites his duty for the reason being he can't give his transfusion to his father. His father is sick, he needs his blood type. Of course, Spock is the only one. <laughs> and it comes as this, like, you know, it's very shocking from everyone because they think Spock would choose his father over uh, command. But since Kirk is injured, Spock has to take command and Spock will take duty over his father. Yeah, and this is a really interesting move that he does, but I think it's very on brand for Spock, mm-hmm. especially given his relationship with his father. And I'm not saying yeah. this like in a way that like Spock cares about him any less, but the nature of their relationship is so built on if Spock can be a convincing Vulcan in his eyes, or if Spock is like always acting honorably and Spock feels like Sarek's always judging him. But Spock says to Amanda, what would happen if I made this choice and like chose to save father, I'd be letting him down on the things that he's been teaching me my whole life. And I think that is a really good scene, a really good indication of like Spock's thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I just think it's interesting um, that when, like eventually he is convinced to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Only because Kirk convinces him, not even his own mother yep. will convince him. Exactly. It's crazy. That's like, that's a different type of love, you know? And I think that you're right. Spock has these complicated feelings with his family, but also duty really complicates this and I think that like they all know we all know how with regulation Spock is and I think Kirk understands that the most you know we see that Sarek was talking with pride about Spock you know not to Spock but to Amanda um about his position in Starfleet so I think Spock is right Sarek would be his version of Furious at this but of course he'd be dead so like <laughs> lol yeah yeah he wouldn't be there to tell the tale but Kirk tricks Spock into thinking he's fine, and Spock then goes under. Yeah, he does the procedure. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's definitely a tricky choice, and I think that Spock, while acting, I don't know, maybe like a little too devoted to duty in this moment, I think that it it's not too off-brand for other first officers, you know? Like, yeah. even though Spock is a Vulcan, I still don't think that this is a reach for any other first officer, which I think is interesting. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. And especially when you're in a position where you have to take where you have to take command, that's, you know, that yeah, that's an insane level of pressure. And he definitely is going the needs of the many here. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and 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 this also shows you how though Kirk and Spock are close as both first officer and captain and as friends or you know companions <laughs> uh, Spock doesn't disclose a lot of his life to his captain and we're going to see a lot of differences of that in other series. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about Will Riker. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think also this was another example of Spock like being able to talk people into things. Because mm-hmm. um, he just talks circles around everyone, really, except Sarek. Yeah. And I also, again, love that Kirk isn't, like, upset about what Spock has done. He was really understanding because he knows Spock so well. And he's like, yeah, of course he's doing this. Let's just, like, let's just trick him. Which I think is interesting, you know. I think that he knows, even if he tried to talk Spock into doing the surgery and relieving himself of command he wouldn't listen, you know? And so this is Mm -hmm. an extreme measure they're going to in order to get Spock to relinquish his command. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's as stubborn as they come, so... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It makes sense. Yes. And we're going to see this again, time and time again. Yep. Including the immunity syndrome, which is the first of our two syndrome episodes. Yes, Um, it's about immunity here. here. Yeah. This episode starts us off where everyone is just exhausted from their last mission and in serious need of R&R. And we see that the Vulcan ship Intrepid was investigating this strange anomaly, essentially, when the Enterprise caught up with it. And this opening, you know, really sets the precedent for the episode because Spock feels the Intrepid explode because he hears the Vulcans on the Intrepid cry out as they die. He says, quote, the death screams of 400 Vulcans' minds as they die. That is so dark, bro. Yeah, that he can hear that? Like, oh my god. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Ouch, babe. And then he's like, anyway, back to my duties. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they are ordered to investigate, even though they're supposed to be heading to R&R. So we're seeing sort of everyone at low power here. Like, this is an interesting episode because everyone's not really on their top game, but they still bring it and they still, you know, figure out this, what's going on. But this is mostly because of Spock. Yeah, poor Spock. He, it's interesting that throughout the episode, the way he's dealing with these deaths, yeah, he's back to work, but Mm -hmm. um, he's clearly affected by it. And I feel like, um, I feel like McCoy can never have it the way he wants because he is almost like annoyed that Spock is being affected yes. by the 400 deaths and Spock is like or I'm thinking aren't like aren't you always telling him to be more emotional and now that he is you're yeah. like ridiculing him for it like and I yeah I don't like that but I just thought it was like interesting discussions like so many of McCoy's and Spock's um fights and uh issues they have with each other are really interesting but yeah I don't know yeah I think that this is also like common with people who are xenophobic or who are like have those prejudices prejudice pre- these prejudice uh, fe- plural prejudices feelings? yeah 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 like this is common like even when you're saying oh you should be doing more of this when a person of that race or whatever does that then they're like oh i hate that you know like there's no winning because of this these feelings of resentment or whatever mccoy is having and yeah mccoy's relationship with spock is really complicated and we're seeing it grow and shrink and all the time, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
I think it definitely plays into the dynamic because McCoy has this unique position where like he is a senior officer, but he's not on the bridge all the well, he is on the bridge all the time, <laughs> but he's not first officer. He's not even like fourth or fifth in line. Um, yeah. And so he is able to question Spock in a different way than like Kirkwood or Scotty would, you know, because it's such a, it's kind of an outsider's perspective on like Mm -hmm. his humanity, which I think also like in different decisions, I think it is good to have McCoy there because he brings this like very human perspective to Spock. And even though they clash a lot, it's definitely essential in the command structure, which is crazy because McCoy is just like this add on to the first officers and captains. It's amazing. Yeah. Like this, how this trio does create the best command structure. So right. I hadn't thought of that. So eventually they have to make a decision as to who's going to go in the shuttle into the amoeba. And it's really dangerous. And Spock and McCoy are fighting over it because McCoy's like, we could learn so much in an hour or like a day just being there. Like we would get years into the future with technology. And Spock is saying, but I, I'm the science guy. I'm I'm good to go. I'm a good pilot. And Kirk is saying, hey, I'm also like a better pilot than you. And yeah, then and they're both like, no, you're not going. Yeah, it's like everyone knows Kirk's not going no matter what, yeah. <laughs> no matter what he says. Yeah, and so I think it's interesting that once again, Spock is talking everybody into what he wants to happen. It's because his logic is so good. Like this is how he's always able to do it is he's pointing out the best things and his like ability to fly the ship and to have the science background is essential for this mission. So he's the one to do it no matter how much yeah. everyone loves him. Yeah, and even if he's the first officer. So, you know, I I think that this choice is a good one. And it is interesting that that Spock just goes without hesitation. He says goodbye to McCoy, but not goodbye to anyone else. And asks for McCoy to wish him luck. You know, there's that beautiful scene, you know. And then Spock later is like, you should have wished me luck. (laughs) But he did in secret. (laughs) Yeah, he did without you looking like when he could have just said it to your face. Spock knows it's a suicide mission and that is also sadly one of his duties as first officer. Mm-hmm. I mean that is his duty you know like the most command person that is in the captain has to do this. Um, mm-hmm. I love at the end of the episode so obviously like they're kind of out of time but they're still going back to Spock and he just like when he was trapped under a rock he's like no don't save me like you're putting the risk of the whole crew or you're, you're risking yeah. the lives of the whole crew. And Kirk, he, he responds, he's like, give me two tractor beams on that shuttle, you know, yeah, which I didn't even know they had more than one tractor beam. I was floored. It's like, oh my God, they're like pulling <laughs> the shuttle yes. with everything they have. And of course, McCoy's that famous line, shut up, Spock, we're rescuing you. And then Spock's like, oh, thank you, Captain McCoy. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. So good. I just, I love the banter. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Spock, amazing, courageous. So they figure out all of this at the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brianna, your bias is showing. It's showing a little bit, yeah. Just a little. With my Spock um, shirt just on. so casual, <laughs> amazing, courageous Spock. <laughs> I mean, this. Can you deny that this act is. Oh, no, I can't. Like, this is an awesome. Man. I love this episode because of how high the stakes are. Mm hmm. I think we should move on. Yeah. Paradise syndrome? Yeah, yeah. I think let's start dealing with our second syndrome now. Yes, the paradise kind. Yes. Um, this is, of course, the episode with Kirok and Miramoni. Love. And the cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, yeah. always a great time here in the 60s. Oh, God, yeah. So Spock must leave Kirk behind to stop a comet that is coming uh, directly on the path of this planet. And the... Essentially, the Spock view of this episode is him trying to deflect the comet or destroy it 
away from this planet, you know, to save the lives of Kirk and all of the inhabitants of the planet. And he's activated deflectors. It wasn't enough degrees <laughs> to uh, do any damage or to, to knock it off course. It's a really solid rock. <laughs> yeah, very solid. Yeah, and I think the most interesting part of this episode, like, that is different than so many other Star Trek episodes is that things are really not looking good. Like, this is one of the few times that the Enterprise is bested, and all they can do is wait it out. And Mm -hmm. Spock says, we are 59.22 days away from the planet. Um, And then the the comet will only be four hours behind the entire time. And so Spock's basically saying, like, we have to just sit and wait and figure something out and yeah. we have a long time to do it well not really long but like we have a, a good head start you know yeah but also then only four hours to execute whatever plan you yes. come up with very scary <laughs> and finding kirok slash kirk again you know it's, it's a tough task i am kirok <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i love i love it <laughs> it's so wild in this one yeah, and, and once again, we're seeing the crew scrutinizing and, and judging Spock's actions when he first tries to divert the comet, and it's unsuccessful because Spock said he made a calculated risk, cut the fissure open, but it wasn't enough, you know, and so that act blew up the star drive, you know, then they can't warp, so Hate that's why they're it. heading back, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's so funny because we were talking about the sibling thing earlier with McCoy, like, it's the same thing again in this episode where McCoy tears into him and then he wants him to take a nap, you know? <laughs> he's like, he's like, you need to, like, step up your command, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, by the way, you haven't slept in weeks. Like, you need to lay down, you know? So this is McCoy's classic, you know, like, tough love. Yeah, well, also, he's totally defending Spock's actions as well, which mm-hmm. I also want to briefly talk about the Tholian web, which is almost the exact same <laughs> premise. Yeah, episode, um, yeah. Yeah, and, like, this, we didn't, we just, watched it for death fake out so it's really fresh and it's pretty much the exact same situation where the crew is frustrated with spock and blaming him for his actions i love to see that this time mccoy was defending him and said you made a decision jim would have done the same you know like both of you are just doing the best you can and that's what you can do you know yeah um he threatens to bring in security to make spock go to sleep and this is another trend that we see with spock like this is another really unhealthy aspect of working Mm -hmm. in starfleet is that he and so many other characters are going to work into like their pain or into their um over their limit yeah over their limit exactly um, in order yeah. to get something done. And especially because it's Kirk and someone who's so important, someone he cares about so much. We saw yes. what he did for Pike. We saw, we see time and time again what he'll do for Kirk. Um, so true. So I love to see it, but also it's showing that Spock is still not quite comfortable in his times when he needs to be in command. Because I think he has a hard yeah. time tearing himself from the the why, the mystery, like the thing that makes him so strong in so many situations, makes him weak in command situations. Yes. Oh, so true. He fixates on a certain point. He was fixating on the obelisk, which worked because he figured out they were musical notes. Once he was able to relax a little, play some music, he was like, oh, wait, I figured it out. Okay. Yeah, I love (laughs) this. And which is true because McCoy, McCoy was right. You needed some sleep or just your brain needed rest. And so like, once again, we're seeing Nimoy do a beautiful acting job here. But yeah, I think you're, you had some really beautiful points about Spock. And I think it's true that 
Spock's definition of hard work is not stopping. You know, like he will literally work himself far, far past his limit. I hate to see that, but they were able to save uh, Kirk and then Spock probably slept for a while, so. Yeah, exactly. He got to sleep, like sleep when you're dead, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's literally his mentality. <laughs> sleep now that Kirk's back. Yeah. Well, I think we should move to the last episode of the original series that we're talking about today, which is the Requiem for a Methula. Methula. It's the one with Mozart and Merlin and um, Alexander Hamilton and (laughs) whoever else this guy is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we've got sort of a Scooby-Doo type mystery going on here. Um, who is he? Everyone, yeah. Like, pull up the mask. <laughs> it's uh, Johannes Brahms. Yeah, like. yeah. But I do love that Spock is playing the Velma role here. He is being the scientist, saving Kirk from the robot. Like, he... Because there's this horrible outbreak on the Enterprise, and there's working a skeleton crew. So, like, truly, if they don't find the cure on this planet, the Rytelin that they need, um, then they're all dead. And so... This is a very desperate situation. But in the middle of this is this, like, weird little mystery going on that Spock is, like, trying to alert Kirk to this whole episode. He's like, there's something weird. <laughs> the whole audience he's trying to alert to. He's yes. like, hey, uh, this this piece, this art piece is strange. Yeah, he's like, I, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, it's a very, tr- like, sad episode because Kirk really falls for this. We find out her um, his daughter is an android and mm-hmm. she has been remade over and over and over because this guy's really immortal. He was born yeah. in like 3000 BC. He wants a companion, you know, which yeah, is which like is brings up a whole lot of <laughs> whole other whole bag to, to talk about. But can of goth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> it's really sad to see like there's a critical point where Kirk is like, come with me. And he's the then dad is like, nope, like you have to stay. Mm-hmm. And she can't decide and she basically like dies in that moment yeah, because shuts down. she experienced yeah. full emotion and the emotion of love was like too overwhelming for her. Um, Lol. Yeah, God, don't even say that to me. What's wrong it's with you? Literally, the plot of the opposite. What's though. wrong? But with like you? less creepy. Jesus. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's very, very sad, and it's interesting to see Spock with like infatuated Kirk. Like we see it a lot, but I think Kirk is like actually like really feeling like some deep emotions for her. You know. Yeah, I mean, Spock was, like, the ultimate third wheel in this episode. Yeah, like, he yeah. was, like, playing their music they were dancing to. I was like, good <laughs> lord. This is Rough, cringe. buddy, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this might be, like, a weird episode to choose for the first Officer series, but I thought it was really crucial because of these last moments, like, the latter half of the episode, where Spock, you know, is really dropping these hints. He's urging them to stop, like, when she was starting to feel these emotions he says like there may be a danger here like stop what you're doing he tries to warn them but kirk and the other mozart guy doesn't listen (laughs) Um, and spock tells them yeah like you said so anyway i think his role here is more like protector of kirk you know from a friendship angle but it's also sort of showing how far he'll go you know at the end of the episode when he erases kirk's memory yes <laughs> that's definitely not protocol oh my gosh no yeah i mean mind melts can be problematic and mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons why like you, you could just erase someone's memory um yeah. i mean i think it's 
like despite that i think this is a really really beautiful scene and i love the quote that mccoy says in Mm. this episode um i had it like partially memorized when i was watching it yeah so mccoy says you see i feel sorrier for you than i do for him because you'll never know the things that love can drive a man to the ecstasies the miseries the broken rules the desperate chances the glorious failures and the glorious victories all of these things you'll never know simply because the word love isn't written into your book good night spock like that's i fantastic like divorce kelly oh just like does a fantastic job delivering it yeah like the inflections he has unbelievable um please go rewatch that scene on youtube it's like that clip alone is up there so it's it's worth rewatching. then mccoy says i do wish he could forget her and spock and immediately just like goes to kirk and does a little mind wipe um says forget and says forget yeah and like oh this really gets me because clearly spock has emotions and love for his captain you know this is an act of love this is an act of love yeah (sighs) yeah it's duty to kirk as a friend as a first officer like he i think melds to forget wishing he could too because this has been as horrible for him you know (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry it's just true (laughs) i'm sorry to be so right (laughs) yeah like and i think you know contrary contrary (laughs) i think well i think you know in defense of mccoy's accusation you know i mean not not only the love the act of love he does for kirk but he says after reyna the android dies he says the joys of love made her human and the agonies of love destroyed her yeah like you gotta know love say that yep yeah exactly i think that's something that's so and this is not about first officer but just about spock Mm -hmm. in general like know thine enemy you know like he's trying to purge emotions and he has to know them really well in order to like know how to handle them do yeah Yeah. all the vulcans do yeah tightest grip on your emotions Mm -hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a really beautiful scene really heartbreaking scene all around <laughs> yeah yeah go, well go ashlyn do you want to do you want to know what is not a heartbreaking mind meld <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know what the best mind meld is it's a uh finger to the head it's a giant spock to a little spock <laughs> <laughs> we are now entering the animated series talking about the infinite vulcan really this episode is like the epitome of some weird nonsense that Spock goes through yeah. in these Star Trek episodes. Yeah, a lot of, like, the Spock plots, like, some of them come from the angle that he's Vulcan, and so, mm-hmm. like, something Vulcan uniquely happens to him. Sometimes he has things happen because he is a great scientist and a great officer and, like, very important, and sometimes mm-hmm. it just happens because he's standing next to Kirk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> And so I love that this yeah. is that third example where it's like, well, oh, I mean, because he's smart. They picked him. Yeah, yeah, they knew. They're like, okay, we need his brain. Yeah. Like, brain, yeah. brain, what is brain? Brain. Like, yeah. we, know, we know where to put it in Giant Spock. <laughs> um, love Giant Spock. Yeah. yeah, Kirk is able to kind of like get through to Giant Spock and say, here's yeah. the communicator, you answer and you do your job, you know? <laughs> I love, though, first, I think my very favorite part of this episode is when giant spock is still getting his memories yes and kirk kirk goes like um you step out of my way mister that's an order or something <laughs> and giant spock just looks down at him with this most like you kidding me sir <laughs> like i am not moving for you to what like he was like uh-uh like just the sassiest look i've ever seen 
Um, but anyway, then he finally gives his memories and he talks of, I love this because Kurt gets to talk about infinite diversity and infinite combinations, the, you know, the edict. Yeah. The Vulcan so, motto. Yeah, exactly. So that really helps get through, that really helps get through to Spock. But also the fact that like now we have another first officer Spock walking around proposing a rebirth of <laughs> these, pla- these plant life beings and bringing life and science to a planet that's so cool it's so cool and i think it shows where spock really thrives is like when he has a mission to complete because mm-hmm. he's like forever like on a path you know and he he really does well if he's if his goal is to like unite the species and um i'm thinking about later yeah unification like these long-term goals really do well for him and so he does great in starfleet but he really does his best when he's like ambassador and not like confined by um the rules of starfleet and i think that's really interesting too you know as one of the few first officers that does not seek captain as the ultimate goal of their lives you know spock sees something further and so it's yeah it's just interesting to to notice and i i love despite how silly the animated series is like this does spark thoughts like that you know absolutely and i think it's really important that we get these like random more spock insights you know because it does really flush out like how he is as a first officer even as a giant one (laughs) (laughs) he's a great one yeah yeah (laughs) So, shall we talk about the the other time that he really stands out in yes. the animated series? Yes, this is Slaver Weapon, which, oh my gosh, we end up talking about so much on the main feed. Um, and, of course, in the Patreon, I love Slaver Weapon because you just got the time-traveling meat, you know? Um, yes. But a great aspect of this episode is also Spock, and he's down on the planet trapped in, the <laughs> trapped in the police web with Sulu and Ahura. Um, it's really a moment for these three characters to shine. And I think it's a huge difference, Spock being in command in this situation, than it is when he's in charge of, like, multiple people who don't know him. Yeah. And uh, because there's no questioning from Sulu or her, like, who's in control, who is going to get it done. And Spock has so much faith and trust in them that he's just acting normally. You know, he's like, okay, like, I'm very calm about this. I know it's going to be fine. And they're following orders and it all turns out okay, you know, because they work together really well. Ashlyn, that's a really good point. And this is also, we're seeing year five into their mission, you know, and so this is. This is also Spock who has really eased himself in to his position as first officer, also has really learned and grown all these years. The the episodes we literally just talked about, you Mm -hmm. know, I think that to see him now commanding this, you know, sort of down on a planet captured situation again is really cool in contrast to seeing Galileo 7, you know, and it's, I think, in part two, the fact that he knows the people better and that's really true ashlyn so yeah he really shows off his scientific and commanding skills here and like you said gives them both tasks you know he's like her unfortunately you can't speak because they think you're dumb but Mm -hmm. like also you can outsmart them that way and sulu you have to speak and think about vegetables you know (laughs) like so you know it's just really cool and yeah i love to think about vegetables (laughs) amazing yeah Yeah. and they're like ew raw carrots nasty (laughs) Um, i love like thank you for saying that rihanna i really think that this i mean obviously the animated series is after the original series and now going into the movie era 
uh, it's it's just interesting to see how Spock is growing as a character within the context of the like Star Trek universe because he's no longer a commander who nobody knows. He's yeah. a captain or an ambassador, but Spock is like raising through the ranks. And so at these moments in the movies where he does take command or he has to make like really high level decisions because he's Spock and he's a legend and he's Mm -hmm. so, so important and historical that people listen to him. And so like he is not so much fighting their like racism as much, even though he always will, unfortunately. Absolutely correct. And that's such a good point like now we're facing just like crazy movie size catastrophes you know and so uh it's more the plot that is like inhibiting spock's duties more than the characters yeah and i think he's more confident in himself as well and like he's figured out his emotional balance and he has a strong like armor you know in front of him and so when we see him in command i'm gonna just jump ahead a little bit to undiscovered country there's no one questioning him because he's freaking spock you know yes um and also he's with a crew that he loves and trusts and has known for so long so yes Mm -hmm. we have those elements but i i love to see how he does his best like being sherlock figuring out the whodunit mystery going on on the enterprise Um, and it goes smoothly because of Spock. Yes, absolutely. And also, you know, Spock is always there in these movies to save the day. And of course he does in Wrath of Khan. And this is sort of, you know, was Spock's like, again, one of his self-sacrificing times where we once again think this will be his final act and he does too. And I think that like, again, this is the sacrifice that a first officer makes and, of course, they're movie stakes, so of course they killed him off for a whole movie. Yeah, and I think this is, like, I think after watching all of these moments where he's being so self-sacrificial, it is satisfying in, a, in like, a sad way, you know, to, to know that he's been preparing for this all along, and this has been yeah. a possibility, and so this is the one time he can't cheat death. Of course, this is Kirk's lesson, too, yes. in the movie, but... I just like to see that he's going to continue to make this decision over and over and over again. Like it's so consistent with Spock's with Spock's nature to do this. Um, it's not a surprise when he pays the ultimate sacrifice for his crew. Uh-huh. He's been saying all along, like, don't come back for me. Like, you know, my leg is, is trapped under a rock. Just leave yeah. me. I like, shut up Spock. We're saving you. And, you know, they couldn't do it this time. That that's too sad. But they did though. Yeah. Spock saved himself again with the Katra yeah. and McCoy saved him, you know? Yeah, it's true. There's always a possibility, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. And you know, the fact that also then they spend an entire movie searching for Spock and finding him and, you know, saving him even to the death of Kirk's son, you know, mm-hmm. like this is also showing then Kirk's loyalty back to Spock. Like he's sort of paying back all those times that Spock was extremely loyal to him in the first in the original series like he always shows him that same respect despite you know being higher in command and all of that yeah absolutely because it's that's how it should be with first officers and captains yeah well and it's it's funny too because even though everybody's ranked up and it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily like the same situation as it was on tos but the dynamic is just as strong and just the same. Like, I think forever, yeah. no matter what rank they are, Spock will always be Kirk's first officer, like, in life, yes, you know? Yes, totally. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So well said. <laughs> 
one more thing about Undiscovered Country too is like Spock brilliantly plants plants the Viridian tracker on Kirk and McCoy or on Kirk and then they're able to find the boots and like rescue him from a prison planet like I'm just telling you Spock is doing a lot while he's in command you know and yeah. like you said now that he's free from that chaos that his mind goes to immediately or went to in the original series when Kirk was out of commission or supposedly dead or whatever he's like used to this now he yeah exactly and he like you said he steps into this role so gracefully and it's well done besides the mind meld but everything else. Ignore the mind mill. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we are going to completely change gears and talk about 2009 and the like first officer things going on in this movie. We just have to talk about it because it exists and it's something that we haven't seen in the original series was this kind of getting to know you stage with Kirk and Spock. So let's do it. Let's talk about 2009. Let's talk about it. So there's this whole switcheroo. I mean, Kirk and Spock meet at Kirk's trial because he cheated on the Kobayashi Maru, a test that Spock created in this universe, which is so cool. We have a very, like, stern dynamic going on between Spock, and then Kirk is very, like, irritated, and he's like, I want to face my accuser directly. <laughs> <laughs> also, may I just say, like, I did not watch this movie to prepare. I just, Actually, like, I didn't know either. 2009 so well. Yes. I know um, that's pretty yeah. much like there's some movies I'm like I don't need to watch that like actually today maybe after this recording I will go watch it but I yeah. like I love 2009 has such a special place in my heart like Rihanna and I could Same. probably quote it together yeah <laughs> ultimate comfort movie I think for me yes so it's very interesting like more hostile dynamic um because everything sort of flipped on its head in this universe so we have the situation with Nero essentially the Narada coming in Pike taking a shuttle aboard the vessel which of course switches up the command pike makes spock captain and he chooses kirk as the freaking first officer who's a cadet who snuck on board not allowed to be there he's not even wearing a uniform he's like in a black shirt um, looking like a section 31 (laughs) agent (laughs) which i love i love it's like aos section 31 kirk you're so right but spock is like what he's like are you joking like i'm not familiar with like why are you joking in this situation yeah Yeah, literally and this scene is so funny like i just absolutely love it but it's also one of those things that's so fast like you just you miss it because pike is going to the shuttle and they're following him he's talking about okay spock you're in command because this is the first time also i want to note that we have seen spock be the first officer to pike so this is like a really interesting dynamic and i wish we had like a scene or two more of it because that is fascinating and i would love to have seen that you know at some point like what that could have been like yes exactly because when like the entire time spock was serving with pike he was never first officer i don't even think he was like third in command like he was just chilling science science. officer Yeah. yeah and great point i totally agree they have a really good connection it seems like in this universe i know that Mm -hmm. like kirk and pike are the ones who are like really like probably more bonded in this universe pike also takes this moment to remind kirk that your father was captain of a starship for 12 minutes he saved 800 lives you know just reminding him of kirk's whole backstory yeah um, that like your father was first officer and the captain died at the beginning of the movie and Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's just like this thing that's hanging over Kirk is like, oh, being in, being a first officer must be like some kind of triggering, you know? It's like, oh my yeah. gosh, like 
I am reaching the same rank as my father when he died, you know? Wow, good point, good point. Yeah, especially because it's so sudden. It's sort of just like coming up from like literally from being cadet. Cadet to first officer like that, you know, is just insane. So many, and... I just want to say like so many people hate this movie because of that exact reason. Yeah. Um, I like as an audience member who knows Kirk, I remember watching this and being like, it'll be fine. He's Captain yes. Kirk. You know, that's where same. the movie yeah. needs him to be, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think what 2009 does so well to show us is that these roles, when they're reversed, are just awful. You know, like it's oh. not the right combo. <laughs> no. You know, like they clearly need a switcheroo, which is what happens. But when Spock's in command, like it's just it's not what they need and then Kirk cannot be a good first officer because he's not listening he's not paying attention to Spock he's disobeying orders and Spock maroons him (laughs) on a planet which of course is a good section whatever the Starfleet charter (laughs) yeah so they both make really terrible decisions (laughs) when the roles are reversed and so I love that they show us this you know that because we don't ever get to see like Kirk but down as first officer like he's always just like presumed dead when Spock takes command or something so this role reversal is really hilarious and the fact that he sucks at it makes a lot of sense like I would love to see like a short track of Kirk as a first officer like what he was like because I'm sure he had to really button down a lot of his opinions oh my gosh (laughs) well maybe I mean Strange New Worlds is definitely hopefully (laughs) gonna explore that I would love I mean I know Kirk's only a lieutenant right now but I'm just thinking ahead yeah Um, yeah Rihanna thank you so much for saying all that I think the dynamic between Kirk and Spock is crazy. It's like so nightmarish yeah. um, when when Spock is captain. I mean, it, though, in like to his credit, his entire planet had just exploded. You know, yes, um, absolutely. And it just shows that Spike. <laughs> I knew I was going to say Spike, and I, I kept saying it anyway. It was like, don't Spike. say Spike, don't say Spike. <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> it just shows that at this. point, point spock is not great at dealing at things under pressure (laughs) yeah and like this is an emotionally compromising situation which is what kirk uh sort of coerces spock into understanding but also this is such a messy dynamic like it's just not good how he became captain yeah Yeah, there's a fight on the bridge and then kirk just sits down the captain's chair i'm like this is very jarring cowboy diplomacy right here yeah literally and then you know, and, and I'm thinking, too, even before, you know, when, when McCoy's like, great, there's no captain, no goddamn first officer to replace him. And then, like, you know, yeah, like, there is. like, Pike made him <laughs> Kirk first officer. He needed to have Sulu in that scene only for that moment, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, the fencing, too, but... <laughs> oh, of course. Essential. It's just, it's fascinating. So then, finally, we get a reset where then Kirk says, okay... I choose Spock to be my first officer. Yes. Which I don't know how that works, like, command decision-wise, but whatever. I mean, it was, like, you a, a cannot time. look into it because it does not make any sense. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I think it's so wise that Kirk decided to choose Spock as first officer because I think Kirk recognizes exactly what we've been talking about, is that you really need someone who's opposite you, who's going to see things differently, who's going to balance you out really well. And I just love that Kirk has the insight to understand that, yeah, they might not get along all the time, but Spock is definitely the person I need to be like a functional captain. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, in the words of Michael Burnham, I want you to find someone 
who seems furthest from you and reach for them you know like this is what first (laughs) officers and captains should do (laughs) yeah well and it weirdly reminds me of like a presidential election you know like sometimes when you're choosing a vice president um in america it'll be someone who you were running against previously also that bird is going off like it's the happiest i've I've heard it yeah different emotions i've been hearing it for a while and like if anyone else has i hope you're enjoying the the squeak the squawk of the the chicago losing his freaking mind Sometimes the person who's the forerunner of the party will choose someone who they were previously running against for the party to be their vice president. And I think that that is a good option, especially if it's someone who can be different from them. Of course, in reality, in American politics, the vice president does nothing. um, Yeah. And like only matters for like (laughs) publicity. When someone gets a colonoscopy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the president has to be under for a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. It just makes me think about that, that you just have to really carefully consider who's going to be under you and and kirk kirk does carefully considers that <laughs> all, all the time fuck. he doesn't carefully consider that another areas. yeah absolutely um, wow well wow. this spock talk was a spectacular this, spock talk. this is spock talk <laughs> with ashlyn and rihanna <laughs> Um, yeah yeah. this has been so much fun i'm so glad we got to end with aos because that's it just reminds me how much i love that universe and just how much i love spock no matter where we are and yeah i am very curious to know how things are going to be changing when we talk about Riker next week we are very excited we have a surprise guest joining us to talk about Riker. it's going to be a really fantastic time so all you Riker super fans better get ready because we're about to like have a Riker talk next week. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. I'm so excited for all of you to listen in. And Ashlyn, thank you so much for doing this First Officer series with me. It's so special to talk about these characters and a role that is sometimes, you know, like not as... yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for choosing it, Rihanna. We've had so many interesting conversations today, and I want to thank our listeners for staying on with us and um, (laughs) listening to this long one, because I think it's been a minute since we've had a super long episode. So um, I love literally spending my Saturday with you talking about Star Trek, Rihanna. I've been, like, something recently, I'm, like, extra Star Trek, and I think part of it is because we're not having anything on the show, or we're not having anything, like, air weekly the brain rot star trek is yeah and so like oh without a fresh show like what am i even doing with my life you know i'm thinking about star trek all the time so i'm so happy we have this podcast we have amazing fans amazing listeners and i have an amazing co-host so thank you rihanna for this amazing series yes ashlyn thank you so much and thank you all for tuning in see you next week thank you for listening to the dura sisters podcast please tune in next week for the second episode of our first officer series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss Commander William Riker in Star Trek The Next Generation. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr and TikTok, and especially our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. 
If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters Podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, and death fakeouts. Wow. If you haven't heard a particular series, please go back and listen to any of these amazing episodes. Social media and marketing is by me, Ashton Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done exclusively by Rihanna Hurd. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Hey, you, <laughs> <laughs> you edited the last two episodes. So that's what you get. You get full okay. credit. Wow, <laughs> thank you. <laughs>